Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In this league, Podcast Network presents... Prospect One. The Fantasy Prospect Podcast. Prospect One. With your host, Chris Welsh. This is the Fantasy Baseball Prospect Podcast, Prospect One, for episode 24. I am your host, Chris Welsh, whom you can find on Twitter, at IsItTheWelsh. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you are down for the prospects, if you're down for the fantasy value, and you just get excited about the future of the game, this is a good place to start. Hope you got locked into last week's episode. Great episode. Lots of good stuff I heard from everybody. Uh, James Anderson and I, we've got a good little vibe going, and I was lucky enough to join him uh, right after the last episode over on the Roto-Wire show on SiriusXM, so you can go on demand that if you'd like. we got some stuff we're going to cover today, a few different things, no guess. Uh, we are going to do a prospect spotlight. The top 10, not 10 is not happening, but I've got a kind of different rendition we're going to do. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the massive rank adjustments I've been doing. But first, we're going to start off a little different with some news around the minors. Prospect one. I don't want to skip over these things, but I want to give them a little bit of coverage if you haven't been paying attention. One of the first ones that's becoming very, very apparent as we close in on the Major League Baseball draft, which is we'd like T-minus like two weeks. We're about two weeks away as I'm recording this on Friday, May 26th. Uh, whenever you're listening to this, regardless, we're within two weeks of the baseball draft. And one thing is starting to take shape, which if you would have told anybody about a month ago, I think most would have been surprised but the young phenom Hunter Green, who has had SI coverage, kind of you know he's getting he's he's being highly touted as I told you guys before because of him being a pretty predominant two way player. And there was the he could be the first high school pitcher taken. Not happening. Doesn't look like it, at least anything can happen. So let's like put a caveat to that. Anything can happen in the baseball draft, and it could this could just be chatter though. It's not like the football draft, you know, where teams are trying to do this and that and this and that. I mean, the, the Twins, they have all the cards in their hands, and what it's looking very apparent, uh, reports are coming out, we're seeing mock drafts adjust to it, is that Hunter Green will not be the first pick in uh, June 12th, 2017 Major League Baseball draft, which is very interesting. We don't know who number one is going to be yet. It's probably a combo between Vanderbilt's Kyle Wright seems to be the guy that's floating around as a very like logical option. I mean, Brendan McKay is great. Just I'm, I'm very excited next week. Uh, and and uh, I just, I'm still waiting. I'm just confirming with uh, Jim Callis who should be joining me next week. I'm very excited to talk about Brendan McKay because we, you know, we learned a couple other things um, as far as the draft goes, where I have seen, I've watched a lot of uh, tape on Brendan McKay and he's a great pitcher. You know, I was watching this really interesting mechanical thing with him where um, there's a few little worries, but you know, he doesn't, he doesn't light up the radar gun or anything like that. He's an, he's an effective pitcher. He's got a good arsenal. I just personally like him as a hitter. That's me. I like him as a hitter, but he even made some statements that hitting is the thing he likes to do when he's not pitching. And that's, you know, that's code for, I want to be a starting pitcher. Well, I'm just not 
I'm not there. I'm not quite there with Brendan McKay, but I mean, I am not a scout that's seeing him live and in person and seeing the games, but I know that has been, um, that's been a thing that's popped up a whole lot. So with a guy who could have gone first overall in Brendan McKay, uh, I saw a recent mock where he dropped down uh, to four. So Kyle Wright, Brendan McKay, a little bit of a potential of Royce Lewis is happening. But the key here is that Hunter Green does not look like he will be the first pick in the draft. And in Jim Callis's actually most recent mock draft, he posted up for ML, MILB.com or the pipeline. He says, with the most certainty Having Hunter Green go two to the Cincinnati Reds is probably the most confident he is in any pick in the draft. Now, that's to to the dismay of the San Diego Padres because it's kind of well known that the Padres desperately, desperately want Hunter Green. Uh, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Uh, but, I mean, anything is possible, right? There was a lot of Brendan McKay to the Reds conversation that was happening. So it could uh, it looks like it's going to be some co- combo of, like, right, green, and maybe McKay, the Padres could switch it up. They could go with Mackenzie Gore, um, who I really like. They, you know, there's different ways they can go. But just know, Phenom, starting pitcher who hit 102, a 17-year-old Hunter Green, who can also play a pretty mean shortstop, does not look like he will be the first overall pick. Does not mean that he will not have fantasy relevance. Of course, we see bad picks. Not to say that it's going to be a bad pick, but we have many times not seen the best player go first overall in baseball drafts. A little goofy how they like to play around with, you know, they'll they'll cut a deal with this guy so they can take a, a, a guy later. Uh, they can give the guy later more money in their slot position. Very. This is a big conversation that happened with the Diamondbacks at the first pick when they took Dansby Swanson, when they should have took Brennan Rodgers, that um, they were potentially going to cut a deal with a guy like a Garrett Whitley or a Tyler Stevenson so they could uh, spend some money later in the draft, which obviously they did not do. Uh, Denelson Lamette with the San Diego Padres was called up. And kind of nailed this actually on the baseball podcast. I had mentioned that I kind of thought he was a guy that could go four-ish and strike out eight, but maybe he'd give up some runs. I got the strikeouts right. Uh, pretty good performance in his first game up. Struck out eight and went five. Looks like Lamette is going to have a spot in the rotation. And San, San Diego slowly, slowly starts to integrate some of their plans as Margot and Renfro have come up. You get Lamette in there. Hopefully I'm saying his name right. Probably sometime mid-year here we might see like Luis Yorius. You know, we'll see, but they're slowly starting to come in. Lucas Giolito pitched a seven-inning no-hitter. It's like the, if a tree falls in the woods, does anybody hear it type of thing? Like, if he goes seven innings, is it really a no-hitter? But they're going to call it that. Lucas Giolito, who's had a kind of rough go of, um, I don't know, I'd even say the last two years, but it's definitely been a rough go uh, this season, has not been the numbers that he has wanted. Even after his seven innings of no-hit ball, he still has a five and a half ERA over nine starts, two and five record, striking up forty three over forty six, eight homers, twenty five walks, and his whip. This is a perspective to have. So he throws a seven inning no hitter. He still has a whip of one point four five. That's not good. But uh, the reports out of the game was he's throwing his slider a lot more. Uh, he's a lot. He's being a lot more effective with it. He's uh, you know the speed has kind of ticked down, but he's pushing for more control. I'm starting to. G- this is going to be my gauge on Lucas Giolito because he said something in an interview about this no hitter where he was like, "Well, I knew some of these guys, you know, and I kind of knew some of their tendencies, and I was able to work off of it." And, it, and it's made me think. I wonder if Giolito is going to be a late bloomer pitcher, and it's weird, you know, it's like a post hype sleeper, I guess, is what could end up happening with him, where he was obviously a top prospect at one time. He was the the number one pitching prospect in all of baseball. That has tapered down 
quite a bit. And the results have been really sketchy. And maybe he's going to have, you know, he's in AAA this year. Next year, he's in the rotation full time. He struggles. The following year, he's still struggling. And by the time he's 25 or 26, he's seen the league a couple times. He's worked with more major coaching. He's going to be able to become an effective pitcher. So I guess what I'm saying is, like, am I out on Lucas Giolito? No. He never fell out of my top 50. Am I super aggressive on him? Also, no. But, you know, there are some people that are just done. And if you could get him as, like, throw-ins and trades. I don't know. I think if you can withstand the weight a little bit, I kind of like it. I just I don't think he's somebody, when called up, he is going to light up, you know, the stats. And he's going to be a great option. He may have a couple years of struggles. And uh, that's I'm just starting to kind of get that vibe from him. You know, he he's a good learner with the game. He's adjusting how he pitches, but like once he knows where he's at, that's where he's becoming at his best. Which I'm not trying to make that sound like a stupid statement, but you know, there are some pitchers like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. You know, I'm gonna throw 98. I'm gonna throw a devastating slider. You know, Alex Reyes type of stuff. They're gonna just come in and get results. I'm not sure Lucas Giolito with his arsenal, is just going to come in and get results right off the bat. I thought this was interesting. Anthony Ghost, a former outfielder for the Detroit Tigers, is still there, but he has now been converted to a relief pitcher. And in, you know, I don't know if it was a game or a bullpen session, dude is throwing 99. 99 he was throwing. So he obviously did not, former um, Toronto Blue Jay, did not make it as an outfielder hitting prospect. We've seen this happen before. I mean, hell, we're looking at the MLB draft with... All these players that are not only hitting, they're pitching. You know, it doesn't work out to a pretty aggressive level. Well, move them to the uh, move them to the pitching side, and that looks like what's happening with Anthony Ghost. Though I would not expect him to be a, um, a starting pitcher. I could be wrong, but you know, a lot of these guys that you know their their development has been hitter, 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 hitter. Now they get sent down to Double A, and they spend a couple years maybe in the bullpen, and then maybe we'll see Anthony Ghost, you know, pitching in a. Detroit bull. I mean, hopefully not Detroit bullpen, but somewhere bullpen sometime soon. Last up, Minnesota Twins pitcher Nick Birdie, Tommy John. No good. He was uh, doing pretty good in Double A, but having Tommy John, so huge setback. Setback for Nick Birdie. So there you go. Little news and notes to start off the show. Thought I'd get you get you up to speed with a few things that are happening. If you're not paying attention, though, I suppose you're probably paying attention if you're listening to this. Go to inthisleague.com. That is where you can find all the stuff that we have going on. As well, you can find links to the ITL Army. The ITL Army, as you know, it supports me. It supports Prospect One. It supports In This League and Bogman and all of us because we do all of this as an independent venture. It's crazy. This week, actually, by the way, I've done two baseball shows. I was live on the radio on Tuesday. On Thursday, we recorded a football show with Chris Harris from Harris Football. If you're into that, ITL Fantasy Football Podcast. And today I'm doing Prospect One. I've done a show every single day this week. And the only reason that we can do any of this is because you guys support us. And as we grow, we're going to do more and bigger, better things. But we give you rewards back like secret shows and uh, really a, a bevy of things. But one of which that's applicable here are my ranks. I do top 400 prospect ranks for fantasy. And they're, I, I mean, with the work I'm doing on the draft, it's going to be easy 500 by the time everybody you know gets drafted and we slot them to their teams. It's, it's going to be an easy 500. I don't know how I'm going to release them yet. We'll go to uh, we'll go to 450 probably probably soon. Not the next update. The next update will be 400. 
but we will go to 450 not too soon after that. And I would suspect when we're in June or July, we'll be up at five. I mean, end of the year, I, I think I had mentioned this before. I want at the end of the year to be five. We'll easily be five. I've been doing a lot of draft scouting. A couple new additions to the next update, which is going to be coming up June 1st. Obviously, we are going to have Luis Robert, who I'm going to talk about in a second. I have added a couple new little things, one of which is I just didn't have it posted on there, is age. I don't have the guy's age put up there because it's kind of wonky to me because some change age midseason, but a few people requested it. So I have like a potential call update listed there so you can kind of see how far they are away. But now I've added age to this uh, spreadsheet list. And I'm adding clickable links so you can find their stat pages to every single player. So you don't have to look at a player and then go find them somewhere else. I'm adding all of their stat links to their names. And that's a lot of work. That's a whole lot of work. Plus, we've already got stuff like, um, you know, are they hot? Are they moving up and cold? But what this leads to, though, is a bigger conversation that I want to have here in just one moment. Because the last thing I want to tell you is if you enjoy this podcast, Please make sure you're subscribed. Go subscribe on iTunes if you listen on iTunes. If you don't, you can find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, or if you just listen on a podcast app, hit subscribe. Make sure you're subscribed. That is very important. Number two, if you enjoy the content of this show, please consider going and giving an iTunes review. All the sites help, but iTunes is this very specific kind of aggregator that feeds it out to a lot of other places. And if you guys can rate and review, you know, Get on the subscribing and all that for Prospect One. We can get this sucker bigger, better, and that's very important. But let's go do one of the first things we're going to do in this episode. Let's talk about some rank. It was really perfect timing, the conversation I had with James last week on the show, for a couple reasons. You know, having the rank talk that we had, you know, seeing, I mean, you know, we, we kind of went back and forth. I think I mentioned on the episode, like, Everyone he had, I've I've progressively been moving up. The guys he had down, for the most part, I've been moving down. I kind of early on was a little bit more down on Jorge Mateo. So he's kind of held where he's at. I just needed to get him to a proper place. So he hasn't really moved down for me. But it opened up a couple things that I had planned on doing, but it was sparked by talking with James. So I wanted to always wait until June to start making like massive jumps. And I'm talking massive. I, some guys have made some massive jumps on here, believe me. You know, Bo Bichette, even before this most recent jump I did, he's just up, up, up. A lot of these guys have been moving up. But I was always weary to make drastic changes until I saw like, give me like 150 at-bats, 200 bats. I mean, give me two months of the season to really work through, to, to make aggressive changes. Now, the second part was even just talking with James and hearing like the way he would feel about a Juan Soto or Ronald Acuna. I feel the same way. But then when we got into, you know, the actual rank like area, we were a little bit off because I I was was being hesitant to be hyper, hyper aggressive. Well, with and also James and I have a little bit different of of a ranking philosophy. I'm a little bit more lenient with starting pitchers than he is just because. You know, I mean, I know starting pitchers are fluid. Look, Nick Birdie just had a, a, a Tommy John surgery. But in, you know, in dynasty leagues, these aren't just like hitter leagues that we're doing. In dynasty leagues, pitchers have value. If you can have the next ace come up, that is worth a lot. I mean, think of how much Michael Kopech is worth right now. Think about how much Michael Kopech was worth, you know, going into this season. And, you know, coming into 2016, he was he was a sub 100 guy. And now he's moved up in most people's. I mean, me, it's been like top 20, but, you know, others, I don't know where James has them, but I assume it was somewhere in like the top 30 or something like that. I think pitchers have a little bit more value and I know they're a little bit deeper burning and they have a little bit more of an adjustment period 
coming into uh, their major league careers, look at guys like Tyler Glasnow and Lucas Giolito, but I also look at prospects as assets. And I think there's, there's trade asset stuff that's going on. Think about this right now, and then put this in your mind preseason. If you had Ronald Acuna and someone offered you Duke, Lucas Giolito right now, you'd probably laugh in their face. I'll bet you you got that done in the preseason. But Ronald Acuna was not in most people's top 30. Lucas Giolito was still in the top 15. You could have got that done in the preseason. But, you know, if, if you purely and solely went off of devaluation of starting pitchers, well, it's not going to happen. And that's just like a, I'm just throwing one out there, but I'm just trying to prove a point that I want to draft starting pitchers and I hope that I'm getting aces. We know sometimes they won't. A guy like Adrian Morion, he is so far away. He's so young, but he's got such high potential. He also has such great name value that you get these guys, you know, just bucking off for about a month or two. You can trade them as assets. So I'm just proving all the point that like someone like James may have more hitters higher than me. But what it all sparked in me was ready to make a massive adjustment and ready to be more aggressive midseason that we've seen a little bit more. Because for me to go and move a guy like Ronald Acuna over a Corey Ray in the preseason, it just it seemed worrisome, regardless of how hot it was. Because there's a lot of strikeout fear that kind of walks with Acuna, but also nobody saw the speed that was going to jump up with him. Same thing with Juan Soto. Juan Soto just destroyed uh, what he did last season at such a young age. We got to we got to see the maturation, and there's a lot of prospects that are doing that this season. Where it's just like we want to see more. John Duplantier with the Arizona Diamondbacks, he is statistically he's one of the best pitchers in all of the minor leagues, the entire minor leagues. He's got like a .59 ERA, but he's a 22 year old in a ball. So we we got to just take a step back. Like I'm very high on him, but if you just went off of pure numbers alone. And the hype that's following him, he might be like a top 40 for some people. He's not. He's not a top 100 for me yet because we need to see more. And I think I think the same thing applies with hitters especially because we get so excited about hitters. So I'm just I'm laying this groundwork for you just to tell you that, A, I've always wanted to wait until we got into this part of the season to make a massive, massive adjustment. B, just having the conversation with James kind of sparked it. And C, I just wanted to I wanted to lay the groundwork for a, for you know the conversation that we're going to have, and just you know for you to get a peace of mind because as 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 hitters are seen as the safer options, it doesn't mean that they're not going to fall off the planet or they're going to be pushed even further. You know, to getting up to the majors. You know, teams are as as much as teams want to baby starting pitchers effective starting pitchers have a clearer pathway to the majors than hitters do a majority of the time. You know what I mean? Like, you know, getting into the rotation, teams are always fighting for for pitching help. Sometimes that's going to lead them to guys like Walker Bueller that are going to be put in the bullpen. But what it all means is I have done a massive upgrade that no one's seen yet because the next update is going to hit right around the June 1st, June 2nd time. Some of the guys that, you know, previously, like a Ronald Acuna, and that's what we're going to talk about here with uh, some of the major rank jumpers. I'm going to, in just a moment here, Ronald Acuna is one of those players that really boosted up because he is the talk of the town. Plus, he has this massive trade value at this point as well. And, uh, you know, if, if we look at these guys like stocks, I mean, there's there's not many that are much higher. But the first player let's talk about in the rank adjustments is Luis Robert. Because Luis Robert theoretically signed. He signed. It's just it's not pen and paper. 
So, you know, if you've gone to like uh, MLP.com to go and look and see where he's ranked out, well, they don't have him because he hasn't finalized his contract. I had a struggle with Luis Robert and Bogman and I talked about him on the ITL Baseball podcast last uh, last week just because there's there's a couple factors here. A, you got the hype, like the guys like the Ronald Acuna. B, you've got just the tools that he's just oozing. But then you've also got some of the fears. You know, I was, I think it was, I know it was kind of popular on the internet that Keith Law kind of, you know, he downplayed a whole lot of the Luis Robert stuff, at least in some people's eyes, you know, to to put worry because it is true. You know, a lot of these guys, they fizzle. Think about, I mean, Puig is just a perfect example. And I think, you know, the, from a physicality standpoint, they look similar. There's a similarity-ish in some of the swings. So it's, you know, it's it's a cautionary tale. And I understand the cautionary tale. But his talent is so immense. The hit tool is there. The bat speed is really impressive. Great speed in general. Plus, he's a 19-year-old that's had a lot of experience already that I don't think they're going to hold him back. Like, I don't think this is a player that's in the minors for three years. I think this is a player that is legitimately being looked at late next year. I don't think that's an option this year. He's a 20-, 21-year-old type of guy that's going to be playing with Moncada. He'll be playing with Abreu you know, when Kopech is up and uh, maybe even uh, Luis uh, Baysby. He's a little bit further away. But, I mean, that could be a future outfield. So I'm aggressive with Luis Robert. On my rankings, I'm not going to give you the spot because you need to look at the rankings, but I can tell you this. He did not make my top 10. Almost. There's actually uh, someone had brought up, uh, Craig from Rasball had brought up uh, Brennan Rogers, who has just been destroying the world, and he's one of the hottest prospects right now. He was saying, hey, is Rogers going to make your top 10? And I was like, not yet. He's, he's not there yet. Because we just added a player you know, inside the top 20 in Luis Robert. So I can tell you, he is inside my top 20 for sure. He is above Ronald Acuna, because Ronald Acuna has moved up inside the area of the top 20. And I have him above Kevin Maiton. So that's going to give you a good perspective. Uh, he's not past any guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or anything like that. But I have him above Kevin Maiton, who I was watching. I did a whole lot of uh, video watching just the other night, and I was watching Maiton again. And, man, just physically, this guy, for how old he is, like just turned like 17 years old, and just physically how he bats just a couple months ago, is so impressive. I wish I could get out to like the the GC uh, GCL you know area and go see some of the um, the rookie ball leagues if he's going to play there. And there's an I think those two are those two are so close to each other. So if you want a perspective of like the value, I think Robert is right there with Maiton as far as trade value and potential, and that's how we have to treat it. No guarantees with any of this stuff. If you want to make an argument that you want Clint Frazier over Robert, you want Robert over Frazier, I think you can make that. If you want to make an argument that you want uh, Ahmed Rosario or Ian Happ over Robert or vice versa, I think you can make that. But the point is, he belongs in the conversation of those guys. He belongs in the conversation of the top 25 prospects or more. And I'll give you an anecdote, too. I read this because I was curious at what they would say. And uh, Jonathan Mayo decided to give a little bit of uh, insight here about the ranks since it hasn't happened. And one of his articles, you can find it at MLB.com. It's called the, the Inbox Draft Decisions Cuban Phenom. And somebody asks him, offensive upside and where would he be drafted this year? And someone also says, where is he in the top 100? Now, and, and I love how Mayo wrote this because, like, I think this would, I could totally see this being Mayo's answer where he would usually not like answer it 
you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he'd be like, oh, I'll be on the lookout for it. But he says in the article, I'm tempted to give a wait and find out response. He says, but I'm feeling generous, which made me laugh, just semi knowing uh, Mayo. He says, uh, Robert is at, is the number one international prospect list. He was above Kevin Maiton on their international list. He said, just one spot ahead of Maiton, who signed with the Braves. He says, Atlanta's 17 year old infielder is ranked number 27 on their list. So you should look for Robert tucked in just ahead of Maiton when the signing becomes official. So if I'm looking at their top 100 list, I'm going to just tell you here at 27, I see Maiton. 26, they have Honeywell. 25, they have Corey Ray. 24, they have Kyle Lewis and Ian Happ, the Nick Senzel. I think they put him at, I mean, in theory, he's saying 26. Actually, I think that is what it is. I think um, they could put him at 27 and bump my town down a bit, but I think they'll be weary to put Robert above Corey Ray and Kyle Lewis. But, you know, us fantasy guys, we got to look at the potential and the future stardom. And Kyle Lewis and Corey Ray, as much as we like them, they don't have the offensive potential Luis Robert has. So that's why I easily have him above. And I probably it looks like I'm going to have Robert minimally probably 10 spots higher than those guys. So I thought you might want a little bit of a per- perspective on it. Again, the next rank update, you are going to see Luis Robert's name on my list. And I can promise you this. If we get word that Luis Robert is going to pop down here to Camelback Ranch for some extended spring training, I'm going to get out there. I will be out there. For sure. Now, I obviously talked about him, so let's uh, let's talk about where uh, Ronald Acuna is fi- finally sitting. So he is just he's all world right now. I mean, you know, the bump up. Uh, there's a good conversation that Mayo talks about as well in that same article about how aggressive the Braves have been with their um, their call ups this season, which I can appreciate. I appreciate that they're doing that, and and it's correctly stated. But moving up to Double A has only been better for Ronald Acuna. He hit 287 when he was in uh, A ball here in 2017, over 115 at bats, and in, uh, in 59 at bats in Double A, he's hitting 356 and a 435 on base percentage. It's absurd. But an interesting note you probably didn't know: he's number two in all the minors in stolen bases with 23. He's right behind Cole Tucker, also rocking out uh, the six homers. 31 RBIs, uh, the 55 strikeouts, it's not a big surprise. It's under 33%, but I mean, that was why there was concern to his game. But he is taking every test and he's running away with it. And he's proving that, you know, the skill set that he owns is an elite tool over many, many other players. So I will tell you, he has jumped inside my top 20 and he's jumped over players like Kyle Lewis, like Corey Ray. Funny, we go back to that uh, question someone had a long time ago. Would you trade Corey Ray for Acuna? Uh, he's jumped over, like I said, J.P. Crawford, Kyle Lewis, Mickey Moniak, uh, Lewis Brinson, Anderson Espinosa. He's moved over all of those guys. He is in this territory of the Brendan Rogers, Rosarios, the uh, Meadows. He's sitting in all of that range. He's so highly talked about that I don't know if I can give you advice if you should trade him or try to acquire him. I think the acquisition of him is just at an all-time high. Like if you could go and trade Mickey Moniak to get him, I would do that. I mean, because I have him above. I would trade, you know, uh, Blake Rutherford. I would do those. But, I mean, I think I think Acuna's going to cost you like Eloy Jimenez. And I'm not going to do that. I think that's crazy. Or if you're talking from the Major League perspective, you know, I don't think you can go and trade. I don't think it was the, this offer. I saw an offer in our GroupMe app of a bunch of our listeners. Someone said, would you trade Ian? Would you trade uh, Victor Robles for Ian Kensler? And I immediately was like, no, I would not. But, like, I don't think that can get you Acuna either. Like you probably have to trade a really high asset to get Ronald Acuna. So I don't like that. But from the trade perspective, I mean, 
what if you can trade Acuna and you can go and get Christian Yelich? Which I mean, would you think about that? What, what if you could centerpiece a trade to go get Carlos Correa and it was built around Ronald Acuna and maybe another piece? So I mean, there's there's an argument to push him out, put him out there, but he's very very high in the ranks. Juan Soto, who we've talked about, has just not cooled off. So in turn, he has just done nothing but continuously move up. He uh, preseason he was in like the sixty range, fifty range. He slowly kept creeping, creeping, creeping. Was into the thirties. He's now just like like right outside the top twenty, and he easily can keep moving. He is. Um, I watched a bunch of tape on him last night too. His swing is actually one of the more impressive swings I've seen uh, throughout a lot of the prospects that I've been really like eyeing on. He just hit. He finds the barrel of the bat everywhere in the zone. It seems like, and he's fast, and he's a future stud, and he's quite the asset for the Nationals to have and for you if you own him. So he has moved uh, just around, around, around the top twenty area. A couple other guys that have moved up drastically, and I tell you these two, you can see the ranks, but. All of these players I'm telling you, these are players that I, I would love to acquire. I would love to have these guys. You know, If you're curious or who are some prospects I should try to get, these are hot names that are kind of in my mind right now. Uh, another one is Bo Bichette, who I've given plenty of conversation to. Talked about him a couple times, uh, not just with uh, James, but um, uh, James on his Sirius XM show and then talked a little bit with him uh, with Joe Pizapia. But Bochette is inside my top 50. I think I stated that on the Sirius show. He's easily inside my top 50. And I know there's some worries about the swing, and I have them too, because I, it's very like, I think I said it before, there's, like, there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of movement, there's a lot going on. Legs are moving, hips are kind of going, the bat, you know, it's kind of wiggling, and he's prone to let the ball get away from him, but he has such, you know, just such good bat speed, uh, he explodes on the ball. He's going to have to adjust, and that's going to take him a little bit. So I, I don't think this is a guy that just because he's so awesome, he's going to come up anytime soon. But, you know, uh, an easy projection was he could come up in 2020. I think at his pace, he's like a mid, he could be a 2019 guy. You know, he's just pacing that well. Him and Vlad could easily come up together. And I'd actually be surprised if the Blue Jays um, move those two, if they, if they didn't let those two kind of go up together because they're both maturing at like the exact same level. Carter Keyboom, who suffered a little bit of an injury, previously not inside the top 100. He is now. He's even inside the top 75. He's just uh, defensively and offensively the Nationals. I can see now why the Nationals made the moves that they did having guys like Juan Soto and Carter Keyboom. So the Nationals getting a lot of good coverage and bettering their system. Dustin Fowler. I, I couldn't do what James did. I think James said he had Fowler like inside his top 50 of prospects. I'm not there uh, Fowler had to make a lot of movement for me. Just you know, in, in my own right, I wasn't um, as keyed on him as as some. And um, I've, I've spent a lot of time just like watching him, just because you know he's it's just been a hot name right now. And I buy it, and I really like him. I think Long and Hagen has kind of likened him to like a future kind of regular outfielder. You know, for James to have him in like the top fifty, I think you're looking at a, at like a you know an offensive type of stud. And, and I think I'm somewhere in the middle on him. He's just under 300, eight homers, five stolen bases, uh, 36 strikeouts, over 174 at bats, which is pretty solid. What is really amazing to me is when you take the total extra bases. I think I mentioned this before: seven triples, nine doubles, and eight homers. All of those could turn into more homers. So Dustin Fowler's a player like I'd love to get in on right now, especially if some people haven't quite caught up to it. He's inside my top 100. He's definitely inside my top 100. Him and guys like Shed Long. Have, uh, are, are easily pressing in, and they're going to kind of keep going as as players like Bobby Bradley with the Indians 
struggle, you know, lots of power, but he cannot get the bat on the ball. Guys like Tyler Tyler O'Neill, fair enough, as soon as we talked about him, started getting better. But, you know, Lucas Urseg, who was really, I was really high in coming in the season, the average has struggled. Zach Collins, you know, those type of guys. As those guys continue to not step it up, these younger guys are going to move it straight up. I am not the type of ranker that aggressively is just like, you know, well, uh, Zach Collins hitting 220 and uh, Carter Keyboom is hitting 310, so move them. I'm just not going to do that. Zach Collins, it, these guys make need to make a lot of adjustments. All of these guys. There's players I'm going to talk about in a little bit that I see this immense talent from that need adjustments. So I'm not ready to get so drastic about it, but Dustin Fowler in it. And last one I just want to tell you about as far as a player that I'm uh, I'm buying into the hype is Jake Flaherty with the St. Louis Cardinals. I mentioned him in the top 10, not 10. The ML, MILB show before the show podcast, um, they had an interview with Flaherty that I thought was was pretty interesting, just him kind of talking about the adjustments to his game. He is, uh, through, nine game, through nine starts, a 1.26 ERA, 55 strikeouts over 57 innings pitched, 11 walks, only two homers. His whip is under one, and he's keeping batters hitting to 200, and he just keeps doing it. In a system that's had some really good pitching prospects, I mean, Luke Weaver has been as good as him in AAA since he didn't make the majors, but then you've had some other hypey guys that have, like Sandy Alcantara, is is he's starting to taper down. And I even, I've put a cold uh, warning on him on my top, uh, on my prospect list because this has been a bad year for him. He just moved up to AA this year and he's got a 7 ERA. And, you know, he drastically jumped ahead of a guy like Junior Fernandez, who I've always liked, and Junior Fernandez in uh, in Palm Beach in the high advance has been good. It's like it was two years ago. Uh, Junior has a three ERA over eight innings with a three and one record, and he's doing all that while actually pitching to a two fifty three average. So you know it, it's all kind of uh, the, the the adjustments are being made inside the organization. But one thing for sure is Jake Flaherty is moving up. For me, he's about to be the fifth St. Louis Cardinal I have inside my top 100. He's not quite there. He's just outside of it, but he's a trending up pitcher that I, I really do buy. I buy what he's doing, and I'm taking him over some guys like uh, David Polino, who actually hasn't been bad since he came back, but I'm taking him over you know, Alec Hansen, Sean Newcombs, uh, Eric Fettis, who moved to the bullpen. That's how much I like Flaherty right now, and that's a player that I'm looking at. And if you want to dig in deeper to the prospect ranks that I have, you can find them, patreon.com slash army or inthisleague.com. There's a link. You get the 400 spreadsheet. The spreadsheet changes every month, so um, you know, just stick around and you'll get the new spreadsheet. And I can, I'm just adding new stuff. As I added another thing I should have mentioned, probably in the next update, I had put the top 10, uh, the last update, I put the top 10 uh, draft prospects and I put the top five international prospects. I'm going to add to that list. The, the baseball will probably... Probably at least go to 15. I'll try to go 20 because remember I told you I want to I want to feel confident in how I have them and the international I'll go to 10 so it can give you kind of a you know a pre look at what next season looks like and the reason that's important is you guys that are in dynasty drafts if you're kind of out of it you're going to want to know what you're looking at next year you know this prospect ranks list you can look at this list and you can say well look at this all these guys are not we're not drafted in my league and then you can look at all the guys coming internationally and from the draft. And you can start to piece together what the first three, four, five rounds of your dynasty rookie draft looks like next year. Get ahead of the curb. So instead of the top 10, not 10, I've got a new edition and I got five on it is essentially what we're calling it. It's three different categories of five on it. And I want to get you up to speed. 
Prospect One. So there's three things that are happening soon, two of which I've already mentioned. We've got the MLB draft. We have got the international signing period, which is going to be July 2nd. So after that, some of the international prospects will sign. There's another thing that's going down, and that is rookie ball. Rookie ball is finally going to start taking place. I believe uh, the AZL starts of June 24th. That's one of the first games. I plan to be out on a game on the first night. Essentially what it is, is it just, it's the formal situation of what they've been doing in extended spring training. Every day in extended spring training, these guys in camps are just playing mini games. You know, they travel to different teams. They kind of stay in their own little quadrants of wherever, you know, there's the one in Florida and there's one here in Arizona. So like the White Sox, the Dodgers, the Indians and the Reds, they like play each other all the time. And then, you know, the Royals, the Rangers, the Padres and Mariners, those guys play each other all the time. And they kind of just keep with it and rarely do they travel out. But when the Arizona Rookie League starts up, they're all going to kind of get back and they're going to start playing each other. So what I'm talking about, though, is there is a lot of prospects on my list, even. I think every guy that I'm going to mention here on the AZL side is between like, you know, 100 and 150 or so on my prospect list. And these are prospects that have, uh, if you're familiar with the game, you've heard of them. Maybe you haven't, though. But these are names that if you go and click on their name at like MLB.com or somewhere, there's no accumulated stats because they're just sitting down there in the uh, extended spring training. You know, I've seen a couple of these guys and they're going to start accumulating some rookie league stats this year. I'm hopeful for because there's no guarantees. I mean, I can confirm four of the five that I'm going to list. I'm going to give you one extra are on the AZL rosters, but I have to assume these guys are going to play some of the uh, Arizona League games as well. This draft is going to determine those rosters. So the rosters that are set, they're not locked in. You're going to start getting you know, maybe some high school prospects that some of these teams draft they might send out there or a college prospect they want to get a little bit of run. They're going to come out here and play some AZL League. So I'm going to give you some prospects to keep an eye on that should or are playing rookie ball, whether you're out here in Arizona or you can travel to Florida and you can go see them, or you just simply want to keep your eye on because these are prospects that I think very highly of and I think fantasy-wise could be guys that you're going to want to target. Number one, being shortstop prospect for the San Diego Padres, Luis Almanzar. Now, he's not listed currently, but I have to assume that he's going to play. I mean, he's still young. He is still very young. He's 17 years old. I suppose they could just keep him back and they could have him go play in some Dominican ball or something like that. But assuming that he does play, and he'll probably play two years of it because of his age, Luis Almanzar was one of the top international prospects uh, in 2016. He signed with the Padres for $4 million. I was going back and trying to find anything I can find on him. Uh, any tape, you know, I like to read the scouting reports and anything like that. And, you know, there's just, there's one thing that just jumps out so much to me. He is built for a 17 year old. They have him listed at six foot, 180. The dude has some really thick legs. He's got a thick lower body, which if the bat starts to play on the ball, this guy is going to be able to put some power into it. And I mean, all reports are he's got kind of an uppercut swing, which he's all, he's already, using that to push the ball to all points of the field. You put on a projectable body. You know, if this guy is six foot 180 at 17 years old and he keeps control of uh, his body and his weight, he could jump up and he could be a six foot, you know, 200 pound, you know, six foot 195 pure muscle. And if the swing develops properly, we're going to be putting some power into it. Luis Almanzar, I'm incredibly excited to go see in person because I have very, very high hopes on him. If you're in a uh, 10-round, 12-team league, it's a little dicey 
But anything more, you know, if it was a 16-man, 10-round, I think he belongs. I think he does because I, I, if we see him eat up the A-ball a this year or rookie ball this year and then next year he plays some rookie ball and gets a little bit of A-ball, this is one of those guys like a Juan Soto. You know, if he gets off and he gets on base and he starts hitting 300, then all of a sudden in 2019 we're talking about him, you know, as like a top 50 prospect. I'm not saying he's there, but I'm very excited about Luis Almanzar. Lazaro Armenteros, Lazarito, as you know him, is another one of those guys with the Oakland A's. And last night I spent a considerable amount of time watching uh, lots of different stuff on him. Old, some new, some very recent video on him. I haven't had a chance to go out and see him. His body of uh, all the guys here is the most impressive for sure. He's just, It's a man's body. You know, he's already like, you know, how you look at Luis Robert, who's 19 years old, and he looks like, you know, frickin' Bo Jackson. Well, the same kind of stuff sits with uh, uh, Lazarito. You know, his body is very, very projectable. I don't mind his swing. There's one key thing that stands out to me. Key thing. He cannot recognize pitches right now. I mean, that is just his, like, his eye to the ball is just not there. You know, he just late swings, he's behind on balls, strikes out. And that doesn't freak me out as much as most people do. You know, his his poor ranking for a lot of people is he's just such a raw talent, which is so clear when you watch him. But the tools are also so apparent. I think these are things that can be fixed. I don't think his swing is that atrocious. You know, I saw some uh, swings on some other prospects that are much more highly thought after that are kind of gross. And I think it's all very fixable. It's just he does not have a good feel for um, recognizing pitching. And he's going to get that fixed, you know. That like, give him two years. I'm very excited about him, and he'll be out here in the uh, Arizona uh, rookie ball league, and that's someone you should be looking at. Another one, Starling Heredia with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I was watching some video of prospect Chris Rodriguez. I think it was Long and Hagen from Fangraphs that put it up pitching, and the very last at bat was uh, against Starling Heredia, who has not received awesome reports. I'm actually going to attempt to go see him uh, tomorrow on Saturday, May 27th, if I can. Uh, one thing has stood out outside of him kind of being behind. You know, when Eusenio Diaz was moved into A-ball, and, you know, I mean, he struggled a little bit, but Heredia really seems to be behind. But the one thing that stands out is his body also stands behind. A lot of pictures paint Starling Heredia as just a like almost like Jorge uh, Ona with the San Diego Padres. Doesn't look like that. He looks um, it's a bit more chunky. You know, um, I don't know how to describe this to you guys, but if you've ever been in the backfields, there's this, like, look of a baseball player where you're like, mm, that guy's that guy's going to like work at a gym, you know, or that guy's going to sell insurance later. I don't mean to be mean about it. Yeah, I, I, I have that look, uh, except just taller. You know, there's just there's guys that just don't look like, like baseball players. And he has this physicality where his body is just a little out of shape or he doesn't quite look like that there. But he still has, um, there's a lot of hype behind him, uh, very highly touted. So, and it's, those are all easy fixable things. You know, nothing a good uh, whole run of 56 games in the AZL won't fix. Two more, Jose Albertos, pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. I have him ranked pretty damn high. He's got great stuff, but he does also not have a feel for command right now. And that's been apparent from all reports that are being pushed out. His fastball's live, but it's kind of all over the place. He's one of the few like lower-end prospects that you should be really excited about with the Cubs, but he does look like he's really far off. So, you know, I've been very aggressive on my rank. I would just beware a little bit, but be on the lookout. He's one of the better pitchers in, out here in the AZL. And the last one is Will Benson, outfielder for the Indians, who 
Um, he is just a monster, you know, in this world, this is why people get excited about him and this world of like the Aaron judge and Giancarlo Stanton, you know, these big muscle bound hitters. He looks like that. When you look at him, he looks like Giancarlo Stanton. He actually, in one batting practice I saw, he looked like Aaron judge, bigger hands, got a lot of work to do on the swing. He gets, he's really big swing, really late on it. He's raw. It's going to take him a while. I have started to move him down a little bit just because of like how long it's going to take. And the GCL, which will be the uh, Florida, the Florida coast, um, rookie league ball, a couple of names to look out for Delvin Perez, probably the highest of all these players I've mentioned. I mean, he is the highest for the Cardinals. He's going to be playing some, uh, some rookie ball. Gilberto Celestino, who I really, really like and have not seen enough of. And I want to see more. He's going to be playing uh, rookie ball for the Astros. Look out for him. Jesus Lazardo, who, uh, Craig from Rasball is a huge fan of. He'll be pitching Highland Ortiz with the Phillies. Uh, he's going to be out there, and this is a big year for him, kind of like Heredia, a guy that his weight has gotten out of control, but he's got all the power in the world, and let's see if it starts to click. And I'm assuming, I'm assuming Kevin Maiton, you know, no, no guarantees as well. They could hold him back at such a young age. You know, him and Luis Almanzar, they could be not put in rookie ball this year, but I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful, especially if, you know, the conversation of this guy coming up even at a young age you know, nineteen twenty. that's only, uh, you know, two or three years away. So I expect him to be in rookie ball. So be on the lookout for that. Part two, how about some rookies? Prospect one. Some MLB draft rookies. Here are five players that I am looking forward to, and you should expect to see some high rankings of. And frankly, it's not my rankings, but these are five of my favorite players, and I'll probably, probably be more aggressive than most on. Nick Prado is the first one. Outfielder, also can pitch. First baseman who can also pitch and potentially play a corner outfield. At one, at, I shouldn't say at one time, he is still being discussed as a potential number five pick with the Atlanta Braves that they might cut a deal to take a guy like Tristan Beck later, who is a highly touted injured arm. Regardless of where he goes, he's a high school bat who's one of my favorite in this draft. When you look at him, it's such a smooth swing. I mean, my notes here I put is he's a good hitter, doubles that are going to continue into developing power, and he's probably one of the best high school bats here. He's similar in nature to the other guy that I like, Paven Smith, who's just a big old bullish first baseman. I want to give credit where credit's due. I know Longenhagen talks about this a lot and I think he's right for for this matter is like first baseman only first baseman they usually don't pan out it's pretty hard to pan out when you don't have flexibility I mean look at a guy like Cody Bellinger he could play everywhere and not only did it get it flexibility but it shows your athleticism Paven Smith has to hit but he's a big old monster and I like him Mackenzie Gore that's the other one probably when all is said and done he might be my favorite pitcher in this draft Hunter Green I'll have higher just because of just the pure stuff it's just incredible, but I really like Mackenzie Gore. I wish he would follow the Diamondbacks. That's one I'm going to have high. Two others, Bubba Smith, high school outfielder. He's a two-way player. He's got tools, and he's got power. My favorite type of uh, guys that I love to pinpoint in drafts. You know, Sometimes when they're like Bubba Smith, he could be a little, they might start calling him raw. If that's the case, he may be far away, kind of like Garrett Whitley. I was a little too aggressive on Garrett Whitley. It's still taking him time, but it's coming together. Bubba Thompson, I really like. And then the last one, as far as the draft goes, Evan White. Evan White is getting comps to like a Cody Bellinger because of first base, first base athleticism. And a lot of people kind of don't know where to go with him, but he's lean. He's a gap hitter. Uh, the power is going to come, so I'm not too worried about that. Kind of similar like um, 
like a Bellinger and is patient at the plate. I think offensively, uh, a college bat like Evan White is going to play, and um, he'll probably be drafted in the first round. Wherever he goes, he's going to be a target of mine. And actually, depending on the situation, I see a little bit more. Evan White might continuously move up. He might even move up ahead of guys like into my top 10. I'm going to have more offensive guys there uh, for this year's college draft. And then the last thing I'm going to give you is how about some international? Prospect one. Now, I posted my international ranks over um, at the ITL Army, at least the top five. I'm going to give you more. But five of my favorite players to look at for uh, this year's incoming international signing draft, none are pitchers, all are hitters. The first being Wander Franco, who I've compared to Hanley Ramirez, at least his swing-wise. It's like identical. You can find some video. It's incredibly identical. Funny enough, Wander Franco has a brother named Wander Franco. Did I tell you that Wander Franco plays for the Astros? And he's going to get signed here. A little confusing, I know. But Wander Franco, the top international prospect, reports are he's, he is uh, set to potentially sign with the Rays. Number two, Daniel Flores, catcher out of Venezuela. He's got, he's got really good power. He's a great catcher, by the way. He's projected to sign with the Boston Red Sox. I was watching him, and I, I made this statement that like it seemed like it's Flores and Franco and everyone else. It kind of does. Um, I'm excited to see how he pans out. I could see him being one of those, you know, I don't know how the power is going to play as soon as he comes up, but uh, the hitting tool will. Number three is, uh, and bear with me on the names here, Rainfer Salinas, outfielder out of Venezuela. I have him, I think, higher than anybody as far as international, but he is just, he's strong. He's got power. He's got, I love the swing. He's got a good arm to play in the outfield. He's one of my absolute favorites, and he's kind of like a dark horse guy that I would be looking at in Dynasty. Nowhere, by the way, he's not projected anywhere currently um, that where he's signing. The other two, Ronnie Rojos, second baseman. Uh, he's super young. He's actually not even 16, but uh, currently he's switching, and he might have one of the best bats in all this international class. There are some comps to like a Robinson Cano, and he's set to sign with the Yankees. Huh? What, do you th- what do you think about that? And the last one, Danny Diaz. I think he's currently a shortstop, but he's he's a big boy. He's going to probably move to third base. I wrote this down and don't take this. Like, you remember I've told you before, like I'll sometimes give you comps, but don't take it like too literal. But his batting, like in how he bats, he reminded me of Miggy, Miguel Cabrera. He's got quick hands, big power. It's an uppercut swing. He's not as highly touted. I'm trying to think of where, let me, let me look. I'll just tell you where uh, MLB.com has him internationally. They have Danny Diaz at 13 overall. Well, Danny Diaz is like top six or seven for me because I love how the bat plays. And uh, he's projected to sign with the Red Sox. So the Red Sox are theoretically get uh, Flores and Danny Diaz. I like it. And those are five international prospects, five rookie MLB prospects, and five rookie league players that you should all keep your eyes on. So a little homework for you guys to do into the future. Last thing on the episode... How about a little bit of a prospect spotlight? Prospect one. Prospect spotlight. This week's prospect spotlight takes us to the Cedar Rapid Colonels A-Ball affiliate for the Minnesota Twins to talk about Lewin Diaz. He's a 6'3", 180 first baseman. He's a big old lefty that was, interna- was signed internationally in 2013 who is putting it all together, it seems. 
our buddy Steve, got to have my Steve reference for the episode, got to see him out at uh, in Kane County. I think he actually he got me a ball, too. I think it was signed by uh, Gisardo Chisholm and Luan Diaz. I'm looking forward to getting that because Luan Diaz is a pretty popular power hitter that we, we really needed to see him put the tools together, like back-to-back. Back. You know, those are those big keys. In 2014... Uh, he played uh, some uh, some Dominican Summer League. It was all right. And that's another option, by the way, that guys like Maiton and Almanzar can go play some Dominican Summer League. Summer League. 2015, he played in the G- GSL and the Appalachian League. Nothing great. Then 2016, he actually started to put it together. Hit 310, nine homers, 37 in a row RBIs with uh, nothing crazy on the walks or on the strikeouts to at bats this season. In the as I'm looking at this, the exact same amount of at bats, seven homers, thirty RBIs. He's dropped his strikeouts down. He's hitting two ninety three. He's on pace. You know everything he did in the previous uh, season wasn't outlandish. This is a really interesting thing that I like about him. I like to look at triples, doubles, uh, really extra base hits. I want to look at the extra base hits of these players. When you take his homers and his doubles, he's got twenty four extra base hits. He even has a triple. So we've got 25 extra base hits. That is one more extra base hit than a guy like Kyle Tucker. Now, I'm not saying Lewin Diaz is better than Kyle Tucker or anything like that, but the competition is pretty decent where he's playing. He's hitting just sub 300. You know, slugging percentage is over five. The power's on pace. He's maturing at every level we want to, and he's 20 years old. He's 20 years old. Very, very big fan of his. I didn't put him in the ranks uh, boost up because I want to have different stuff to talk about, but he is boosting up. He is definitely moving rapidly up my ranks, and uh, you should keep a close eye on Lewin Diaz for the Minnesota Twins. Prospect spotlight number two is two guys. How about that? Starting pitchers, Sir Anthony Dominguez and Jordan Humphreys. Prospect one. Prospect spotlight. We'll start with... uh, Sir Anthony. I'm, I'm saying it like that. It's probably wrong. It's like probably like Sheer Anthony. It's S-E-R Anthony Dominguez. He is a 22-year-old pitching for the Philadelphia Phillies. He has been with them since 2002. Played like four years of rookie ball. So, I mean, that's why he's older. But this year, he's lighting it up. He's got a two, almost an even two ERA over six starts. Striking out 45 over 35 innings pitch. Only giving up one homer and 13 walks. He uh, he's moved into a lot of people's top thirty on the uh, Phillies. I know he did for MLB.com, and there's nothing not to like. You know, statistically, it's all pacing together. The only caveat you need to understand about him, and you need to tread lightly about, is you have to kind of treat him just like John Duplantier. This is a guy who is succeeding at a massive pace in a ball. Who's 22 years old? He's dominating guys that are probably 19. You know, maybe some 18 year olds. He should be doing this. He should. In 2016, though, he did piece it together at a pretty decent clip, by the way, with a two and a half, uh, under two and a half ERA, 65 strikeouts over 65 innings pitched, only gave up five homers and uh, 24 walks in those 65 innings pitched. So got that got a little out of hand. But he's had a good whip for the last two years. The ERA is in control. He's getting his strikeouts going. We need to see the next level. So he's not a top 200 option at this point, but he's a player that you should be looking at deeper leagues if you're looking for maybe some potential decent starting pitchers for the future, which takes us to the other prospect too, just because they're starting pitcher. I want to highlight because this guy's just lighting it up. Just got put on my radar recently. Jordan Humphreys with the New York Mets. Eight starts, 7-1 and one record, 1.57 ERA, 65 strikeouts over 51 innings pitched, only seven walks and one homer. 
That is some. Inc- those are some incredible stats. 0.7 WHIP, pitching to a 159 average. He's 6'2", 225, only 20 years old, pitching an A ball for the Columbia Fireflies. He is on fire right now, but his fastball is not necessarily a big, uh, you know, fired fastball. It's like a low to mid nineties type of fastball, but he uh, he rides it. He's got a curveball. He's got a four pitch arsenal. The key, if you're not going to throw ninety seven, ninety eight, is being able to move it around, which he's doing, and he's seeing some great success at it. So Jordan Humphreys, Sher Anthony Dominguez, two pitchers you should be looking at, as well as Luan Diaz for your prospect spotlight. And that's the episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. It's a lot of me, but I wanted to do a couple different things for you, get you guys in the right mindset. And I can confirm the next episode will be Draft Talk with MLB.com's Jim Callis. That is confirmed, though it will be just a couple days late. It will be released on Monday, June 5th. That's when the next episode will come out, just a couple days later for scheduling with Jim. But we will be covering lots of draft stuff for you. And I will also try to bring back the Top 10 Not 10 next week because I get very excited to hear how much you guys love that thing. You guys really do love the the top 10, not 10, and that is super awesome for me, and I know you guys find it helpful. Kind words I was told by somebody was that they appreciated this podcast more than anything because I don't sit here, whether it's me or guests, and we don't just talk about you know the top 10 prospects for an hour, uh, you know, which everybody can go read about. We, we dig in. We talk about guys in the 50s to 100s to 150s, talk about strategy, Break it all around. Hey, even sometimes we're talking about um, autographs and memorabilia and stuff like that. I love having all of it. It's all fair game. And you can email me at isitthewelsh at gmail.com. That's my personal email. If you have questions for the show, still love to do some mailbag episodes, but I don't give enough. I don't get enough mailbag questions to warrant them. Also, partly my fault because you asked me and I immediately answer on Twitter. I may put up a prospect one at inthisleague.com email to direct those so we can start doing some of those questions on the show. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Give us a rate and review if you would be so kind. We would deeply appreciate the help as always. And uh, you can go check out the Army and uh, love to have you a part of it. Appreciate all of your guys' support. But we got a whole bunch going down, trying to hit one more extended spring training game. We got draft. We got international stuff. Oh, baby, it is happening. For Fantasy Baseball Prospect Podcast, I'm the Welsh for Prospect One. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.